Well, good morning, Bayshore family. Hey, so pumped that you're hanging out with us. My name is Joel, and if you just tuned in, we're talking about miracles. And you know what a miracle is? There are only four people in this church building right now. Like that is, it it is empty in here. It is emptier than the toilet paper aisle in Food Lion. But we got four people in here. And so I want to point out who's in the room. First off, we got Cotter on this main camera. Cotter, can you give me a little, little camera work, a little camera nod? Oh, yeah, that's, that's good right there. Then we have Jeremy over here on this camera. And so Jeremy, a little camera nod. Well, that's, that's some good camera work. We have Nate who just did the switches between those cameras. And then we have uh, Regan who is putting the slides on this screen. And so, Regan, can you just put a slide up? Whoa. Nate obviously put the slides in the computer this week. Um, That's a whole lot of Nate right there. But here's the miracle. Even though the church building is empty right now, we are reaching more people through online services right now than we ever have before. Get this. uh, We are having over 4,000 people watch each weekend, which is like three or four times more than when the building was open. Plus on Easter, over 8,000 thousand people watch the Easter services. And I, I can't prove this, but I have a hunch that about 90% of you were wearing your pajamas and eating peeps while I was preaching. And I'm not even upset about that. It's an amazing time that we live in. But the miracle is I think we're all starting to realize that the church, it, it's not a building. It's us. It is you. And so I'm pumped that you're with us right now. Even if you're in your PJs right now, listen, If you are, no judgment, but don't put a picture of it in the comments. But I'm glad you're with us because we are the church. We're the church. And so we're going to have church today wherever you are. And to start, I have a question for you. And my question for you is this. How many of you played a sport, any kind of sport in high school? I I need everybody everywhere to to leave a comment down below with what sport you played or put an emoji of a football or something and and think about what you played in high school. Now, some of you got to go way back, (laughs) but you played something. You played football. You played basketball. You you played the flutophone. Listen, I'm not here to judge. You played something. Put it in the comments. And while you're putting it in the comments, uh, I'll, I'll tell you about my high school. I went to a small private Christian school called Epworth. Uh, That was the high school that I went to. And just to kind of let you know how old I am, my high school doesn't even exist anymore. You know you're getting old when your high school has gone extinct. But my school was so small that we we only had three sports options to choose from. We had soccer, basketball, and baseball. Now, when I was in high school, baseball wasn't really an option, and and here's why. When I was 10 years old, I played on the Lions in Millsboro Little League, baby. And I I didn't play baseball when I was 10 because I loved it. I played baseball because at the end of your baseball game, you got a free soda from the concession stand. Come on now. It's basically like illegal to give a 10-year-old a soda nowadays. You get like kumbacha and a rice cake or something. But this is 1992, man. And so I was on the Lions. And I remember one time, one game, I was up to bat against this kid named Jerry. Now, just remember, this was a 10-year-old lake. But Jerry, I'm pretty sure, was 32 years old because Jerry was six foot tall. He had a size 13 shoe and he had a beard. All right, I don't think Jerry was 10 years old. So I'm up to bat against Jerry. He's like David versus Goliath. I'm scared to death. And Jerry throws this fastball, true story, straight in my head. 
it hits my helmet, and that's the day I quit playing baseball. And so when I was in high school, baseball wasn't really an option. Um, now, I did play basketball in high school. And when I say I played basketball in high school, what I mean is I sat on the bench for two seasons, except for one game. There was one game. It was the biggest game of the year. This is a totally true story. Biggest game of the year. It was our homecoming game. We did that during basketball because we didn't have football. And uh, our guards fouled out. And the entire school was there. Our, guard fouled, our guards fouled out. And my coach, Coach Greg, said, Tice, get in the game. And, and I was like, me? And, and so, like, <laughs> I didn't know what was meant. So I got onto the court. And I'll never forget this. My friend, Jesse Paquette accidentally passed me the basketball. Now, just remember, this is the biggest game of the entire year. There's one minute left on the clock. There's, we're down by one point. Jesse accidentally passes me the ball. I panic and I take the biggest shot of the entire season. And so the ball's in the air in front of the whole school, biggest shot of the year. And I totally miss. <laughs> I totally miss. And so um, I stopped playing basketball after that. Uh, but I did play soccer. And I loved soccer in high school um, because when I started playing soccer in, in school, it was in seventh grade. And that wasn't because I was good. It was because my school was so small that they needed people on the team. And so I remember in seventh grade, I was doing little like practice kicks with the goalie during a practice one time. And there were some seniors behind me and in the middle of the field. And the seniors were Eric Gay and Daniel Primo. And I didn't know they were in the middle of the field, but they got this great idea that they were going to try to kick a goal from the middle of the field while I was right up next to the goal. And Daniel Primo kicked this ball, and it hit me in the back of the head at about 200 miles per hour. Like, I, I don't remember the next two years of my life. I mean, I think I lost my sense of smell in that moment right there for, forever. And so Daniel Primo almost murdered me with a soccer ball. And you might say, well, you know, you, you shouldn't mention the guy's name. Like, you might see this. No, no. Listen, I am calling you out, Daniel Primo. You almost murdered me with a soccer ball. Like, I still walk crooked because of, the, because of that soccer hit. <laughs> and, and I might be exaggerating just a little bit. But. I remember I got hit so hard with that ball that afterwards, like, I didn't trust anybody around me with a soccer ball. If you had a soccer ball and you were behind me, I would, like, side-eye you. I'd be like, what you going to do with that ball? Like, I, I remember I got hit so hard with that soccer ball. And I, and I tell you that story because I want to ask you this question, and we'll put this question on the screen. Have you ever gotten hit so hard in life that afterwards, you were never quite the same. Like, has this ever happened to you where you were hit so hard that it just like knocked you down? You know what I mean? Like maybe you were in a, a dating relationship where you're married and, and maybe somebody broke your heart and they, it just like knocked your feet out from under you. And afterwards you're like, that's it. I'll, I'll never trust anybody again. I'll, I'll never date again. I'll never get married again. Like all men are evil. All ladies are evil, and you just feel like you got your feet knocked out from under you. Maybe you um, had a job, and you loved this job, and you poured your life into the job, but one day your boss stopped by, and he said, hey, or she said, hey, we got to let you go. And after that, you're like, you still remember that moment, and, and you think now, like, man, I will never have a job like that ever again, and it just knocked you off your feet. Maybe you're trying to, like, exercise, and, and lose weight because, listen, if you are not gaining weight, 
during this stay-at-home order. Like, you are social distancing wrong, right? Like, come on, if you know what I'm talking about, just leave a comment if you know what I'm talking about. You, you know the whole thing, like freshman 15. I think we're going to look back and call this like COVID-19. We're all like gaining weight during this whole thing. But anyway, maybe you're trying to get yourself together. You're trying to like diet, lose weight, and you, and you go to step on the scale. And have you ever noticed that sometimes the scale like is tricky? Sometimes the scale like doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Like maybe you've been exercising, you got your little watch that's tracking every single step. All you're eating is bananas and broccoli and you step on the scale so excited to look at the number and you're like, what? That thing is not right. This thing is demon possessed right here. Okay, and so you stand on one foot. You ever done that? You know, let's see if this works. And, and then you're like, that's it. My diet's not working. I am, I'm ordering dominoes right now. And so sometimes life, life hits us so hard that it just knocks us down. And so today, today, I want to talk about how can you stand up when you've been knocked down? And I believe that today is going to fire somebody up to stand back up who's been knocked down. And I think Jesus is going to remind somebody that, hey, your best days aren't behind you. You still have a future. The best is yet to come. And, and because of Jesus, you will stand on your feet again. And to talk about that, we're in this series called I Need a Miracle. And all we're doing in this series is we're looking at a book that one of Jesus' best friends, John, wrote. And in John, he famously recorded seven miracles that Jesus did. And so today we're on miracle number three. And to set this story up, Jesus is in Jerusalem. And it's in the middle of a festival. And so all kinds of people are in Jerusalem, okay? It is packed out. They are not social distancing. Everybody's in Jerusalem. Most of the religious leaders are at the temple. But Jesus decides to go to this pool instead. And talking about being knocked down, the people at this pool had literally been knocked down off their feet because many of them were crippled. And they were at this pool because they thought every once in a while an angel would, would stir up the water and the and bubbles would come up. And they thought, if I could just get in that water, I will get to be on my feet again. I will get my miracle. And so that's where we pick up. It's in John chapter 5, starting in verse 3. We'll put this on the screen. It says this, crowds of sick people, blind lame or paralyzed, lay on the porches around the pool. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Guys, that, that is a long, that's longer than I have been alive, that he has been knocked down. 38 years he's been laying, um, he's been sick. And when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, and I, I just got to pause there. Because listen, Jesus saw this guy, and he knew him. And if you read on, you're going to see that Jesus saw him, knew him, and had compassion on him. And, and maybe you're watching this right now, and you're down, or you're depressed, or you've been diagnosed with something, and you're thinking like, I, I don't think Jesus even knows what's going on in my life. Like, I don't even think he even cares. I just want to point out that Jesus saw this guy, and he knows what he's going through, and he has compassion on him. Him. And so I just want to remind you that Jesus sees you, he knows you, and he has compassion on you, whatever's going on in your life. And so he sees this guy, he knows him, and then he asks him a question. He asked him, would you like to get well? Now, 
When I was in high school, or I'm sorry, in elementary school, uh, my teacher used to always say, like, Joel, there are, no, there are no dumb questions. But this question seems like there's a pretty obvious answer to it, right? Like, Jesus like, would you like to get well? Has anybody ever asked you an obvious question before? Like, like the answer is obvious. The, the other day, my dad called me, and he's like, hey, Joel, me and your mom at the, are at the Dairy Queen. Do you want some ice cream? Do people say no to that? Yeah, yes, I want some ice cream. Dad, I want a medium Reese cup blizzard, all right? Because if you were anything other than that at the Dairy Queen, I'm not sure that I can trust you, okay? And so the answer was obvious. And in this question, like asking a guy who's been paralyzed for 38 years, like, do you want to get well? Like, that's like walking into a hospital and saying, you know, hey, do you want to get better? Or you just kind of want to hang out here? The answer is obvious. And so I think... The question that Jesus is asking isn't, would you like to get well? Because, you know, of course this guy does. I think the bigger question that Jesus is asking is, is this question that we'll put on the screen. Do you believe that I have the authority to get you back on your feet again? That's what I think Jesus is, is asking this guy. Do you believe that, if, that I have the authority to get you back on your feet again? And that's the question behind the question. And this question reminds us that no matter what happens in our life, Jesus is bigger than our biggest problems. He is in charge of whatever feels like it's in charge of you. He is large and in charge. He sees you and he knows you and he can do a miracle and help us get back on our feet again. So I think that's the question behind the question. And so I want to talk to you about if you need a miracle today, what do you do? Got two ideas if you're taking notes. Here's the third, first one we'll throw on the screen. The first thing you got to do is believe that Jesus is greater than what knocked you off your feet. Believe that Jesus is greater than what knocked you off your feet. So I got a question for everybody everywhere. I need you to answer this in your living room or wherever you are. How many of you know someone who is stubborn? Come on, don't, don't be stubborn. Raise your hand if you know somebody who is stubborn. Wow. I see all kinds of hands. Just kidding. I can't see you at all, but I know you raised your hand. Now, I want you to keep your hand up if the person you rose your hand about who's stubborn, you're sitting next to. <laughs> uh, we're going to go ahead and offer uh, marriage counseling via teleconference tonight at 6 p.m. So, um, no, but let me, let me just settle this debate. Men, we are way more stubborn than all the ladies. And I'll prove it. I saw this picture on the internet this week. We'll throw up on the screen here. It's a billboard and it says, this year thousands of men will die from stubbornness. And a man spray painted, no we won't. <laughs> Look, we may be stubborn men, but at least we're funny. Okay, that is hilarious <laughs> to me right there. And so man, we're a little bit stubborn. I, I feel like I'm the, the stubborn king. Example of that, a few weeks ago, my wife, Stacy, she said to me, she's like, hey, honey, um, we are going to clean up your dad's mulch beds. We. <laughs> Every married man knows about that, you know, we. All right. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know we were going to do that. And so she's like, yeah, we're going to do that. And so in my mind, I thought we were going to like we pull the weeds in his mulch bed. Okay, no, 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 no. We get out there and Stacy's like, first off, we're going to weed your dad's mulch beds. Number two, we are going to dig up every flower, every shrub, every bush, and every tree in your dad's mulch bed. Guys, 
my dad's bushes and everything he planted, they're 20 years old. I had no idea. Where the, okay, well, we're out there with like chainsaws and axes and shovels. I'm pretty sure we got a crane out there. Like it, my dad, I think, had a sequoia in one point of his uh, mulch bed. It was crazy. So we're out there. Me and my wife are trying to dig up one of these um, beach grasses that my dad had. And we get it dug up, but the root ball on that thing is, it's like, it's like this. And, and it, we can't barely even move it. And my wife, Stacy says to me, she's like, honey, I bet you that you can't lift that up by yourself and put it in the wheelbarrow. Now, every man knows what she's doing there. That is called a wife trick, okay? She's trying to get me to do it by myself, but every man knows how I reacted. She told me I couldn't do it. I was like, back up, baby. Just move on over. I got this. You just look at my humongous muscles as I do this. And so I, I lifted, I went down, I, I picked up, this beach grass by myself and got it in the wheelbarrow all by myself. Come on, man. I did that because I'm stubborn and I may or may not have been taking Advil every day since, but I picked it up, man. And so a lot of us are stubborn. Just say an amen wherever you're at if you're stubborn. I have a hunch that many of you didn't say it, and that's just proof that you're stubborn. Look, we're stubborn. And sometimes the Bible talks about how we get stubborn in our relationship with God. Now, it doesn't say like, hey, you know, you're stubborn in the Bible. What it says is things like um, we get hard-hearted or we get stiff-necked. And that just means that we get stubborn in our relationship with God. Now, how does that happen? What does that look like? Well, what happens is our, we, we get hit hard in life. We get knocked down in life and we're like, I, I can fix this. I, I, I can like figure out a way out of this. In other words, like I need a miracle. And so I'm going to make my own miracle happen. And so we get knocked down in life and we get stubborn because we, we think that I can handle this and we'll put this on the screen. I can handle this all by myself. I, I can fix it on my own. I can fix it with my own strength. Like I picked up that one plant. Okay, I can fix it all by myself. I, I know that sounded good in your living room. All right, we think we can do it all by ourselves, And that's what is happening with this guy in the story with Jesus. He has been paralyzed for 38 years years. And for years, he's been trying to get in this pool all by himself. And Jesus is like, hey, would you quit being stubborn and let me just show you that I am greater than what you're going through? And I love this because when life knocks you off your feet, you got to know that Jesus is greater than whatever it is that knocked you off your feet. This week, I am um, I wrote down some things that Jesus has authority over, and, and I'm just going to read these to you. And just be prepared. I'm going to get a little excitable up in your living room. And so, but just this is what Jesus has authority over. This is what he's greater than in our life. It says this, Jesus has authority over the job that laid you off and the bills that make you feel broke. Come on. Jesus has authority over the doctor, the diagnosis, and WebMD. Jesus has authority over all the bad news on CNN, on Fox News, and the local news. Speaking of news, Jesus has authority over Gail King, Larry King, and the Tiger King. Speaking of the Tiger King, listen, Jesus has authority over your pets, over your cats and your dogs, even though your cats don't listen to you. And I know they don't. Jesus has authority over Wall Street, Main Street, 
and your street. He has authority over the White House, your house, and Publisher's Clearinghouse. So, Lord, make me a winner, all right? He has authority over your ex, over your boss, over your friends, over your teenagers. He has authority over your elementary age kids who you are homeschooling right now. Lord, help all the parents. Jesus has authority over all the baby boomers who are supposed to be social distancing but can't stay out of Lowe's. What are you all building? My goodness, that place is packed. But he has authority over the guy who ripped you off, the person who ticked you off, and the person that cut you off. He has authority over our feelings of doom. He has authority over your work conference calls on Zoom. And he has authority over the baby boom that's going to happen in nine months because all you married people have been quarantined for too long. He has authority over the person you walk down the aisle with. He has authority over the person who you met at the end of the aisle. He has authority over the CDC, the WHO, the IRS, the NFL. Speaking of the NFL, he has authority over the Ravens. And my, has the Lord been good to us. <laughs> he has authority over the, the Buccaneers who somehow got Tom Brady down there. And then last week somehow got Rob Gronkowski to come out of retirement. What is happening down in Tampa Bay? I don't know. But Jesus has authority over your job, over your small business, over your health. He has authority over your kids who are making bad choices. He has authority over the person who you love, but you can't fix. He has authority over that addiction that you can't seem to beat. He has authority over your loneliness, your awkwardness, and the fact that there seems like there's no good people to date. He has authority over the stock market, the farmer's market, and the dating market. He has authority over our economy, your economy. He has authority over our future and your future. He has authority over this virus. Listen, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, which means he has authority over all things. And so you can just believe that God is greater than your greatest problem right now. Come on, you should be getting excited in your living room because Jesus has the authority. And so the first step when you need a miracle is remember that Jesus is bigger than whatever knocked you off your feet. Here's the second and final thing when you need a miracle in your life. The second thing you need is you got to stand up in faith. You got to stand up in faith. Now, if you live in Delaware, we are, we're six weeks into our, our stay-at-home orders. So for six weeks, we've basically had to stay at home unless like it's, it's a super important thing and, you know, it, it's um, something you're allowed to leave the house for. And for the most part, you know, a lot of us are doing that, which is such a good thing to do. But do you know what's crazy? Even though we are all doing stay-at-home orders right now, have you noticed that you can pretty much get whatever you need at home on this I mean, if you have a credit card and a phone, you can live pretty large during these stay-at-home orders. And, and I think there's kind of like three main apps that have like gotten us through our stay-at-home orders when you need something. And we'll, we'll just put each of these on the screen and talk about them. First off is this app right here. It's the Amazon app. Come on, Amazon. Who's been shopping on Amazon? I know my wife has. Look. I think for two weeks straight, there's been an Amazon box at the door every single day. I'm on like a first name basis with the UPS driver. Okay, we are getting our, our retail therapy on in our house. And what's crazy 
about Amazon is you don't even have to get up off the couch if you need something. You just open up the app. Now, speaking of, of couches, uh, here's something else that a lot of us are doing on our couch. We're, we're on this app right here, the Netflix app. <laughs> Come on, I know you've been watching Netflix. I, I've been watching so much Netflix that I ran out. Like I, I got to the end. I finished Netflix, you guys. <laughs> and so nothing means you watch Netflix more than when that, that little the message pops up that says, are you still watching? You know you're watching too much Netflix when the message pops up. Are you still watching? It's like Netflix is looking at your house like, hello, are you, are you alive in there? And you're just on Netflix. And man, we love Netflix. And so that's helped us. And you don't even have to get up off your couch. You can just get on the Netflix app and watch a show. And, and then if you need some food, you can get to this app right here, Domino's. I feel all sorts of judgment coming through this, the TV right now. Okay, towards me. <laughs> Listen, you, did you know that you can tweet a pizza slice emoji to Domino's and you can get a pizza to show up at your door from Domino's if you set that up? I mean, this is an amazing time to be alive. You don't even have to get up off your couch or turn off Netflix. You can get whatever you need without even standing up. And I tell you that because what's crazy is even during a global pandemic, we are so programmed to think, if I need something, I can get whatever I need, and we'll put this on the screen, on my own. I don't even have to stand up all the couch. I just got to get out the app. And if you think about this story with the, the paralyzed man and Jesus at the pool, this guy had been paralyzed for 38 years. And, and for years, we can speculate, he's been trying to get in that pool on his own. And finally... He says this in, in John chapter 5, verse 7. He says, I can't, sir. That's what he said to Jesus. He said, I can't do it. I've been trying to get in there on my own. I can't get there on my own, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And what's kind of going on here is, is everyone believed that every once in a while an angel would stir up the water and bubbles would come up. And, and everyone around this pool thought the first person that got in the pool got the healing. And so every time bubbles showed up, it was like the amazing race to get in this pool. And this guy is like, I can't get there on my own. And the moment he surrenders and say, I can't do it, Jesus told him this in verse 8. Stand up. Which is a weird thing to tell a paralyzed guy to stand up. But he says, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Don't miss this. Jesus asked this guy to do the one thing that he couldn't do on his own. But who had the authority to make this miracle happen? Come on, you can answer in the living rooms. Who had the authority to make this miracle happen? Jesus, yes, Jesus is always the right answer in church. And so Jesus had the authority to do this. And so the miracle happened when this guy admitted, I don't have the strength to do this on my own. And maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you're like, I, I am out of strength. I don't know what to do. And the moment you say that, I think you're in the perfect place for a miracle. Because when we say, I can't do it on my own, but Jesus, you can, that, that's called this little word right here. That's called surrender. Surrender. 
And listen, surrender is the start to your miracle. When we say, listen, I, I can't do it on my own. I don't know what to do. I, I don't have the strength anymore to do this. That is surrender when you say, Jesus, you can do that. And so this guy finally surrenders after 38 years and says, I can't do it on my own. And that's when he got his miracle. And the paralyzed man got up and walked. It's, it's a crazy story. Um, and maybe you hear this and you're like, okay, of course that happened in the Bible. Because like, you know, miracles happen all the time in the Bible. But like that stuff doesn't happen anymore. And listen, I, I get that. When you read the Bible, doesn't it kind of seem like miracles are happening all the time? It's, it feels like miracles are raining. It's like 24-7 miracles in the Bible. Like more, there's more miracles than Wawa and Rofos in Sussex County. They're everywhere. And, and so it can seem like, you know, miracles don't they happen every day in the Bible. That doesn't happen anymore. But here's, here's something that's interesting. Do you know there's about 30 miracles that happen in the book of Acts? And if you read that, you're like, oh, man, see, miracles every day. But the book of Acts is written over about a 30-year period. And if you average that out, that's about one miracle a year. Now think about your life. I bet you more than one unexplainable thing happens in your life every year. I bet you more than one miracle happens in your life every single year. We, we hear miracle stories in our church all the time. Let me just tell you a few. A few years ago, right after church, um, this lady came up to me and she said, um, Hey, Joel, my, my teenager, he doesn't believe in Jesus. And I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, how to fix that. And so I was like, well, let, let's pray about it. And we prayed about it. And two weeks later, guess who was standing in line to get baptized? This lady's son. And so we have, a, we have a picture of this moment. This is Eric right here. Eric walked into church this day, didn't even believe in Jesus. And by the end of the service, he says in front of 150 people, my name is Eric and I'm a Jesus follower. That, that's a miracle. Another miracle, I had uh, somebody come up to me a while back and said, hey, Joel, one of, one of my kids, like, I think I, I pushed them out of church because like, I, they just don't want anything to do with church. And I, I don't know how to get my child to come to church, to come back. And I said, well, let's pray. And we prayed about it. And, and true story, the next weekend, guess who was sitting next to their dad in church? This kid, 10 feet away from the stage. That's, that's a miracle. One, one last story. Um, we have a, a family at the Rehoboth campus who for years tried to have children and, and couldn't and, you know, did everything that they could, you know, talk to doctors and basically were, were told like, you're, you know, you're not, you're never going to have children. And so let me, let me just show you a picture of, of this couple and this family right now. There's, there's two kids here. <laughs> okay. This is the Weiss family party of four. Listen, that is a miracle. You guys, listen, miracles happen every day. Guys, Jesus is still the way maker and the miracle worker. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay. And, and I, I don't always know why Jesus does some miracles and doesn't do others. Like that's, a, that's above my pay grade. One day I'm going to ask him because it, you know, it's confusing to me, but I do believe that Jesus still does miracles. I do believe that if we trust that, that we can't stand on our own and we need his help, that's when you're in the perfect place for a miracle. That's called surrender. And so I think if we were to like take one thing out of this story with Jesus healing the lame man, I, I think the takeaway for us is this, and we'll, we'll put this on the screen. I think God wants us to stand up and trust him 
even if we haven't gotten the miracle we've asked for yet. I think God wants us to stand up and trust him, even if we haven't gotten the miracle we asked for yet. And, and listen, listen to this. If you do this, you will get the miracle. You heard me right. I'm telling you, if you do this, you will get the miracle. And I know you're like, I don't know about all that. Okay, listen, you will either get the miracle that you're asking for, or you'll get the miracle of God's presence as you wait for your miracle. Both of those are miracles, you guys. And so you just want to stand up and trust God even when you haven't gotten your miracle yet. And so I want to end with this. Um, maybe you're here and you've been, you've been knocked down. You've been uh, taken out and you want to stand again. You want to get back on your feet again. And you're ready to just surrender and like declare victory over whatever it is that knocked you down. Listen, Jesus told a paralyzed man to stand up and walk. And I just want to help some of you right now where you're at to just stand up and walk into your future. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just read some different situations. And if any of these situations resonate with something that maybe has knocked you down or taken you out, I just want you to stand up wherever you are and declare victory over this, okay? And so it doesn't matter if you're in your living room, stand up in your living room. You can stand up on your bed. Maybe you're cutting the grass right now. You can turn on the lawnmower, stand up in your front yard. And yeah, your neighbors may look at you like you're weird, but you know, they're weird too. So it's all, it's all good. But I'm gonna read some things. And if you want to declare victory over these things in your life, just, just stand up wherever you are. So here we go. If you've ever been discouraged by bad news, negative headlines, COVID-19, and stuff you can't control, stand up and believe that God is bigger than what you can't control. If you've been knocked down by negative voices in your head that say, you will never be enough, you're no good, you'll never be pretty enough, you'll never be popular enough, you'll never be successful enough, I want you to stand up and declare that God's voice is greater than any other voice. If you've been knocked down by divorce, money problems, health problems, loneliness, body image issues. Listen, stand up and declare that God is over what is hanging over you. Come on, I want you to stand up wherever you are. If you've been knocked down by an addiction, stand up and declare that God is greater than the things that make you feel weak in life. Come on. If you struggle to believe that God is good, even when life isn't, if you struggle to believe that he can still do a miracle in your life, listen, stand up and declare that God is greater than your doubt. If you're struggling because you are homeschooling your elementary age kids right now and you need a miracle or a five-hour energy or you need schools to open up or something, listen, I hear you. I'm right there with you. Listen, come on, parents, stand up if you need God's help to parent. If you're tired of being tired, if you're tired of going through life and feeling like there's a, not a lot of life going through you, stand up and declare that God is greater. Listen, in Jesus, there is life. In Jesus, there is hope. In Jesus, you have a future. And even if you haven't gotten your miracle yet, I think you can still believe and stand up and walk in faith. I believe you can still believe that God is greater than your biggest problem. Listen, Jesus is bigger than your biggest problem. He is in charge of whatever feels like is in charge of you. He is large and in charge. He sees you. He knows you, and he can do the miracle of getting you back on your feet again. Let me pray with you as you stand. Jesus, I'm so thankful for this miracle where a paralyzed man who had been hit in life so hard that he hadn't walked for 38 years, you told him to stand up and walk because you still have a future. 
And God, I think a lot of us need to just remember that we have a future. And we can ask for miracles because you're still the God of miracles. And we can just trust that you're going to do that miracle in our life. But at the same time, we can trust that even if you don't do that miracle, your presence while we walk with what knocked us down, that is a miracle. And so, God, I just pray that you'll just declare victory in our lives over these things that have just taken us down and help them to no longer take us down and help us to walk in freedom with you. In Jesus' name, amen.